have felt that the Lord touched me even tonight. Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read beginning with verse 1. You know, so many times when you're reading the New Testament or any part of the Bible, we have a tendency to skip over some of these beginning remarks to get to what we consider to be the, the real fruit and, and the real heart of the matter. But if you do that with the Apostle Paul, you are usually going to miss probably the most powerful message of the whole book. And it is so in Galatians chapter 1. The Lord, I don't feel this as often as I would like to, but for some reason the Lord kept impressing on my mind to read Galatians. And so I kind of pushed it away, kept reading some other things, and it kept coming back. Finally, I put it down, and I went to this book. And when I started reading immediately, I didn't even get through reading the chapter. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me. I pray that I can give some of that to you. Galatians chapter 1 Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with, uh, with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from your Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Grace be unto you and peace from God, amen, who gave himself for our sins. What reason that he might deliver us from this present evil world? I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about an answer to the spirit of this age. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We live in disturbing times. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. If you have any sensibility at all, the things that are happening around us in our world and especially in our country right now are very troubling. Every day that we rise up seems to bring new fears and grave concerns. And I would say that if these things do not trouble you, I wonder about your spiritual condition. Amen. But I am not fearful of the day in which I live, and I am not intimidated by it. But I do want to be wise, and I want to be strengthened with all might in the inner man. And I want to know how to live in this present evil world. Amen. How many of you believe that that is an apt description of our world? Evil, 
I, I, I can't think of a better term, one that's more fitting, wickedness, vileness, corruption, uh, the seeds of rebellion that are being planted multiple times over and over. And yet Scripture assures us that we have been delivered. We have been rescued. Aren't you thankful the Lord rescued you? Amen. From this present evil world. Now Paul writing to the church of Galatia was writing from a very personal standpoint because it was his missionary labors that had produced this church. It was a special place, no doubt, in his heart. And Paul was writing amid a growing environment of spiritual declension. He was especially concerned in a spirit and by a spirit that had been moving into that work that God had begun. There were certain Jewish Christians that were circulating among the church and the new converts, and they were seeking to undermine their faith and their position and uh, to impose upon them uh, the, 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 uh, the works of circumcision and trying to force on them the Mosaic law that it was necessary for salvation, that in order for them to truly be saved, they would need to be circumcised and obey the Mosaic law. And so Paul comes with a passionate pen of argument against these false teachers and he rails in, in a sense against what they were teaching. His concern was for what was happening not only externally to the church, but more importantly, what was happening internally within the church. The attack that was coming on the mind and the faith and the spirit of those new believers. And it is interesting to me that when Paul begins his letter and he determines uh, to set the record straight, he determines that the best way to set the record straight is to go straight to the record. Amen. I want to say that again. He determined that the best way to set the record straight was to go straight to the record. And so he begins his letter to these Galatians, not railing against the untruths of these Jewish believers and this doctrine that they were propagating, but he goes back to their very foundation. He goes back to the fundamentals of what had happened in their life and he reiterates to them the truth of what had happened to them in their spiritual experience and re he reminds them 
of some very basic fundamental things. And he speaks to them, first of all, of two of the most powerful things in all the world that had happened in their life, and that was grace and peace had come to their life. Amen. Grace and peace. He reminds them of the reason that those things had come into their life. He reminds them of where peace and grace came from, the cause and the purpose of it all. And he reminds them that Jesus Christ came to do something for them and to transform their lives and what he has given to them is worth holding on to. Let's talk about grace for a moment. Grace is not this easy, greasy stuff that sometimes we pass off in our culture, but in its literal sense, it spoke of sheer beauty. But in the spiritual connotation, it spoke about undeserved generosity. And yet when you think about the grace of God, it is in fact the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to my life. The undeserved generosity, generosity of God. I have not done anything to deserve it. I couldn't do anything to deserve it. I couldn't do anything to earn it. And yet he bestowed upon me his grace Another word for grace would be favor or kindness. He has gifted to me the most precious thing in all the world, and that is his favor. Amen. Don't you like the favor of God? Is anybody here really thankful? Has, had you even, have you even thought about the fact that the reason that I am where I am today is because of the favor of God. The reason that I have been blessed, the reason that I even prosper, we're afraid to talk about prosperity, but prosperity is part of God's blessing. Not monetary all the time, although that's part of it, but prosperity in spirit. He prayed that you would prosper as you do in your soul, you would prosper, or, or as you do in your, your material means that you would prosper that way in your soul as well. You see, there's something that God has done for us that's worth talking about over and over and over and over again, and that is the wonderful grace that he has extended to every one of us tonight and none of us are here except by God's grace. If it had not been for the goodness of the Lord on my side, where would I be tonight? I am thankful for that grace that is greater than all my sin. Amen. Praise God. It's something you and I should never get over. I like talking about the grace of God. I like singing about amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, some of you have a hard time equating with that word, but I don't because I can still remember what God had to get me out of. 
And you say, Brother Hughes, I thought you were a young person. Oh, I was a young person, but you don't understand how, how deep a hole a young person can dig for their life and how messed up they can already be in their thinking, but by the grace of God. But more than that, what I understood in him saving me at that early age is all the junk he saved me from in my future. So even though I didn't do it, I had the potential of doing it, because, but because of his grace intervening in my life, he prevented my life from shipwrecking a long time ago. Aren't you thankful for that kind of grace tonight? Give us, Lord, more of that grace. Help me to be more thankful for that grace. Something that you and I should never, ever get over and never get tired of hearing spoken, sang about, talked about, preached about. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your, your, your favor. Thank you for the kindness do you understand tonight that the reason you are where you are right now is because of the sheer kindness of God? If he gave me what I deserve, if he did for me what my sin merited, I'd be fried crispy tonight. And you would too. But because of an old rugged cross <laughs> and somebody that was willing to hang and be a spectacle to the world, but it was only a temporary place. It wasn't a permanent location. I love the cross and I love what was accomplished there, but I'm thankful that it was just setting the stage for what his ultimate plan was, and that was resurrection. He wanted to break something that had had a hold over man from its fall and give him the freedom to know what real joy and real peace and real happiness could be. When you find it, you know what it is, and when you find it, you don't ever want to live without it. Amen. Thank God for grace. May the beauty of the undeserved mercy of God be upon us all. Amen. He talked about peace. Somebody say peace. Praise God. That's rain. Amen. But this is peace. It's not going to get in here, hopefully. Might have a leak or two here, but I'm thankful for peace. Amen. The word peace means tranquility, free from commotion. That's what Paul wanted these Galatians to remember about their spiritual experience. I'm going to get to the problem I need to deal with, but before I get there, I need to remind you that the reason you're where you are tonight is because God bestowed peace upon your life. God helped clear up the commotion that was going on in your world, and he drove out the chaos, and he brought his joy, and he brought his spirit. Amen. He released you from the havoc of spiritual war. Harmony. Safety, prosperity, it derives its strength from him. Everything, according to one translation of the word peace, it speaks of everything that 
that is to our highest good. Man, how many of you go around during the day thinking of just the best thing you could do for your spouse every day? I knew it. None of you do. No more than I do. We don't go around every day thinking about what can I do to just put my wife over the top or put my husband up or just elevate him and make him feel like he's nobody else like him. Now, we ought to do that every once in a while. But every day that I live, God is putting me up into a higher place. God is lifting me up into a higher atmosphere. God's peace that surrounds me is helping bring me into a better location in my life so that the highest good can come to my life. Praise God. Everything that will make me, my, my mind sure, my will resolute, and my heart glad, God is working to give to me. What a blessed condition to have peace. Peace, 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 peace like a river, peace like no other. Not just the absence of trouble, not just the absence of turmoil, but it's that calm in the midst of a storm. He is there his love and care surround me. And no matter what's going on on the outside, on the inside, there is safety and there is peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Amen. John 16, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. You're not going to have peace if the Astros win tonight. I know that's been on your mind. I might as well get that on the table and off the table. They are going to win. We might need a preacher to come back and preach what he preached Sunday morning. Take it back. <laughs> I don't know if he knew that was their theme for the year or not, but... Uh, Anyway, he said that in me, you might have peace. You're not going to have peace on Facebook. You're not going to have peace just among friends. The only place you're going to have the kind of peace the word speaks of is in him. It's learning to live in him. It's learning to abide in him. It's learning to walk with him. It's learning to embrace his word and let that word become part of your life on a daily basis. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to borrow the words of Paul and pray them over you tonight. Grace and peace be upon you. Amen. I want to say that again. Some of you need that. Some of you just kind of give me a little cute smile. I, thank you, Brother Hughes. But I'm, I'm dead serious right now. I wish I had a wand I could wave over your head, perhaps even hit you in the, and wake you up and say, hey, this is what God has given you. 
Quit living like a pauper. Quit living with your head down. Quit being fearful of the world you live in. Quit being intimidated by what's going on around you. I have peace in my heart tonight. Peace like a river. I've got grace that's covering me right now. And no matter what happens in my world, God is going to keep his hand upon me. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to pray that over you again. Grace. Grace. Peace. All that turmoil needs to be driven out. All that chaos. Paul prayed for a release of the spiritual blessings of God that were undeserved but came because of God's kindness. And I pray that same thing upon you. I pray God would just release his blessings, that something would awaken in you, that you would quit being fearful of the times that you live in. You would quit being absorbed with every little bit of news that comes in. First of all, 90% of it is fake news. Trump is right. It is absolutely hogwash. And yet some people make their lives live by that doctrine that's being perpetrated out there that the world's coming to an end. Yes, it is. That's a great thing because when this world comes to an end, there's another world that we're going to be introduced to that I'm living for. And as soon as this one's over, my life just begins. Hallelujah. In these troubled times that we live in, in the violence and the fear that people live in on a daily basis, if you're not careful, you can cave in to these spirits and these feelings and these emotions and you can live like a little hermit. I don't believe God intended for us to be that way. Amen. We had some things going on in our neighborhood not long ago. I guess, I don't, I, they may still be going on. I don't know. I'm not on Facebook. My wife shared with me, but they had some home break-ins, and they caught it on video, people just kicking people's back door in. And you know what? You catch yourself. You catch yourself going and locking and double locking and putting a chair in front of the door. Now, I'm not saying don't be safety conscious. I'm just saying you can do all of that. They can still kick the door in. There's one thing you have to lay down on your bed at night with, and that is an understanding that my life is in the hands of God. If he wants to take it out tonight, that's his will. If he wants to snuff it out tonight, that's his choice. But I'm not going to bed afraid of what might break in on me during the night. I'm not worried about what Trump's going to do in the morning or what a Democratic Party's going to do or a Republican Party's going to do. I'm not waking up in the morning trying to figure out what's going to happen next. I already know what's going to happen next. It's going to wax worse and worse. But don't be fearful of those things. That's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is a sign, a sound, a trumpet. Oh, yes. Amen. I want to remind you of where all of these blessings come from. Just as Paul did, they came from the heart and work of Jesus Christ. He gave himself, Paul said. I love that phrase. He gave 
himself. Nobody made him. Nobody compelled him. He did it on his own volition. He gave himself for me. That's pretty amazing to me because sometimes I feel pretty worthless. I feel like a flat tire. <laughs> you know, all you do is make a lot of noise and make people uncomfortable. But he died for me. He did it for me. He gave himself for me. Praise God. That ought to help get you out of your little corner that you're living in, that little sky's falling mentality. Woe is me. Amen. He gave himself for me. Say that. He gave himself for me. Amen. Look at your neighbor and then say, he gave himself for you too. That's even more amazing. Amen. Yeah. He broke the chain. He broke the curse of the law. He achieved a victory. And the Bible said he rescued us. I love that word. He rescued us from this evil world. Now, world, not in the sense of the earthly creation, but in the sense of an age, an age, a time frame. We are surrounded by time frame that is warped right now. And we are living in a world that is cursed and it is evil and wicked. And we are surrounded by it, but we are not blinded by it. We are accosted by it on a daily basis, but we are not overcome by it. It was in this coming into time that Jesus revealed the timeless truths that have not changed from that day until now. And that is his grace is sufficient for thee. Hallelujah. His grace is greater than all your sins. Amen. His cross, this is what's so amazing to me. His cross was erected for the cruel business and intentions of that day. And yet today, the power of that cross lives on. They only intended for it to be a one-day affair. We're going to crucify this guy, get him off our hands. It's going to be done. We'll take those crosses down. We'll burn them. We'll do away with them. But what they thought was going to be a one-day job has turned into a 2,000-year job, and it's still working. The cross of Christ is still working. It's the same thing today, and yet those things are a tower tonight over the wrecks of the ages. And they are the supreme hope of the world. The only thing that will save you from the frivolity of this age is to understand that the grace and the peace of God have been extended to your life because of Calvary. Amen. Grace and peace have been given to me because he gave. And they had lost sight of that. These, Gal or, or these Galatians 
had lost sight of that because people came in with these teachings that were contrary to what Paul had taught and what they had been instructed in and and something had obscured their vision of this cross and trivialized it in a sense. They had trivialized it because they had said that the cross wasn't enough. You have to have the cross and you've got to have circumcision. You've got to have the cross and you've got to have Mosaic law. And Paul brought them back to ground zero. And when you want to get to the point, you remind them of what the point is. And the point is the reason you're even a church today is because of a cross. The reason you even know any kind of sanity in your mind right now is because of the grace and the peace of God that was bestowed upon you when you believed in him and you believed on him and you received the Holy Ghost and you were transformed by the power of his spirit. That is what made the difference in your life. Amen. And in a world in which they are trying to trivialize everything that is spiritual and trying to make light of anybody that believes in something as cruel as a cross. I'm here to tell you that in spite of anything they can say, it still stands as the greatest monument of love that's ever been erected. Amen. Thank God for your delivering power. And I'm asking God tonight to deliver us from the influence of this age the fear that it breeds, the doubt that it conjures up, the questions that it manufactures, the vileness that it perpetrates. God, deliver us from the influence of this spirit of the age that says it really doesn't matter anymore. I want to say something. I wrote this down, and I'm probably going to shock some of you, and I might make some of you mad, but I want to say something to this church and to our church. It is not our holiness that makes us what we are. It is the cross which makes us what we are. And it is only the cross that makes our holiness make sense. Because if you don't have a cross, holiness is absurd. But when you understand somebody died for me and somebody bled for me and somebody offered themselves un failing to me, then I am not going to hold back what I owe him. My separation doesn't make sense except in light of the cross. Separation without the cross is just eccentricity. It's just being another cult and another bunch of weirdos. But When I look at our people and I see your separation and I view your holiness, it is not because of that that makes us what we are, but it is because of the power of the cross and the influence that cross has made on my life and the grace it has shed in my heart and the peace that floods my soul tonight because he came. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah. Oh, I didn't mean to get so animated tonight. Amen. You see, the cross offers deliverance from the powerful pull of this present age. This present age has an undercurrent to it. 
and has an atmosphere that engulfs men in fear and doubt and worry and anxiety. And it has a way of getting a grip on your soul to where you live paranoid and you live fearful of your own shadow. It wants you to fall in step with it. It wants you to succumb to its pressure. It wants to sweep you off your feet and tell you there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm going to say, you know what? You're right. There's nothing I can do about it. But you don't need to worry about me doing anything about it. What you need to be concerned about is what he's going to do about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Part of the challenge of our living today is to live in this age with the, without being enslaved by it. It is to live in it but not be blinded by it, not allow it to dull our senses. I have been feeling recently a very strong, strong pull to begin preaching more about the cross, and I plan to do that. Amen. There's something special. There's something about that old rugged tree. There's something about what happened there that we need to keep fresh in our mind because that's what really matters. It's not all the craziness in the world. It's not all the goofiness of people. It's not all of the evil that surrounds us. What matters in my life today is that I have had grace given. I have had grace extended. I have been given peace that passeth all understanding. Hallelujah. You know what real peace is? Real peace, according to one person, is having adequate resources. Now, you don't, you don't think much about that, but if we were in a drought and you had a well that ran fresh, cool water, you wouldn't worry how long that drought lasted. Because you have resources that you can draw from that the world knows not of. That's what God intended his salvation to be in our life. He intended for it to be a river that flows out of us. He intended for it to be a resource of strength and help continually in our life day by day. Amen. Grace and peace be on you tonight. When you get up in the morning and you get in your car and you start it up, I want you to think grace is covering me today. When you get to your job and all you know whatever's going on, I want you to speak this word, peace, be still. Peace, be still. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, thank you, God, for the peace that passeth all understanding. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I made it. I hadn't pass out on you. Praise God. 
Turn to somebody and say, I've got something the world can't give and the world cannot take it away. Amen. Praise God.